Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Hannah Brencher. Hannah is an author, a blogger, a TED speaker, and a new wife who writes about mental health, faith, and daily discipline. Hannah is the founder of a global movement called More Love Letters, which she'll tell us all about in this episode, and she's the author of a brand new book called Come Matter Here. You guys are going to love Hannah. She has this way of meeting you exactly where you are and simultaneously giving you both the hug and the pep talk you need to keep going. And that's exactly what Hannah does for us today on the show. In this episode, Hannah and I talk a lot about anxiety and depression. We talk about what to do when you're feeling far away from God or when you're having a hard time loving yourself or when you're just feeling like you're not good enough. We talk a lot about being a newlywed and what we've both been learning along the way. Hannah also shares with us some really amazing encouragement having to do with singleness and online dating. Guys, there is so much good stuff in this episode. I cannot wait to share it with you. But before we jump in, there's something I wanted to make sure to tell you about. So like I mentioned, Hannah and I talk a lot about anxiety and depression in this episode. We talk about what to do when you're feeling far away from God, when you're feeling lost, stuck at the end of yourself, when you've gone through a big loss. And love, if you are in one of those places right now, there is something I would love to share with you. A while back, I wrote a book called The Lipstick Gospel. It's my testimony, the story of how I lost my dream for my life, the love of my life, and myself, all in the span of just a few months. And it's the story of how God brought me back to life. I know that when we're going through a breakup or a loss or a season where we just feel like everything is falling apart, we could really use a light at the end of the tunnel. Either that or we could use someone right alongside us with a flashlight saying, hey, I've been in this tunnel, there's hope. You will not be in here forever. And guys, that's what this book is all about. It's a love note for anyone who's hurting today, a reminder of who God is in the midst of that hurt, a reminder of what He's capable of in our lives. We serve a God who brings life from death, beauty from ashes, hope from despair, and that's what he's done in my life and what I know he can do in your life too. And this book is a reminder of that truth. I would love to share it with you. You can either download a copy of the book for free, which is so fun, yay for free books, right? Or if you're a paperback girl like me, we have those too. You can pick them both up in my shop. It's smaywilsonshop.com or through the link in my Instagram profile. I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. The other thing is, if you've already read The Lipstick Gospel, which I know lots of you have, I wanted to make sure to tell you that we have two books to go along with it. This last summer, I came out with a Lipstick Gospel prayer journal and the Lipstick Gospel devotional. They're tools and resources to help you walk towards a more fulfilling relationship with God, with your life, and with yourself, and you can find those in the shop as well. Okay, with all of that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here's my conversation with Hannah. Okay, you guys, I'm so excited for what we have going on today. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Hannah Brincher, which, Hannah, I have to tell you, I've you know known who you were for a while now, but um, and you've been like at the top of my must-have list for podcast guests. But a couple weeks ago, I or maybe a month ago, I put something up on Instagram to my listeners and said, "Hey guys, like, who do you want to hear from?" And I swear, everyone like called each other and 
texted each other and, and decided that together they were all going to do like a massive outcry for Hannah Brencher. And so we just had to give the people what they want. It just, it was like time. I love that. I'm so honored. I did see a bunch of people tagging me that day and I was like, oh, this would be so cool if this happened. <laughs> You're like, awesome, let's do this. And let's, let's I was go. like, this must happen. So here we are, you guys, where, you know, the, the people have spoken and I'm thrilled to have you here. So before we jump in, for anyone who doesn't know who you are yet, you guys, seriously, you're going to love her, but can you tell us like who you are and what you do and just a little bit about, a little bit about you um, and your work. And then also I would love to hear a fun fact about yourself. Awesome. Well, I sometimes it's so hard to like define, like, what is it that I do, you know? Um, but I would say number one, first and foremost, I am a writer. Um, so I've been blogging for eight years now and, um, my first book came out in 2015 and I'm getting ready to release my second book. So I've written two books and then I'll start the third book probably in the fall. I'm thinking is when we'll start writing that one. So love writing. Writing's always been my passion and it's kind of spurred me on into a number of other things. And so I teach writing classes online. I'm also the founder of an organization called More Love Letters, and it is a global organization that uses the power behind social media to write and mail letters to strangers in need all over the world. Um, Mm -hmm. Complete accident, didn't mean to start it, but it's propelled me to a lot of cool places. And when all of that's said and done, I spend a lot of time traveling and doing speaking engagements um, all over the country, colleges, churches, conferences. So it's a busy life and it's a lot of different things, but it's a lot of fun. So yeah. And then I would say my fun fact is I am... I am like a true crime junkie. Like I love true crime more than anything. And so like I, any new podcast that's out there, I'm listening to it, but it's like, I don't just like listen to it leisurely. Like I'm a total armchair detective. I will be on the message boards. I will be like stalking people out on like Twitter, like I'm all in very quickly. So that's the way I've always been. My grandmother kind of passed that on to me. And so like, I don't know. Are you familiar with like the John Bonet Ramsey case? Oh yeah. So I'm from Colorado and I went to school in Boulder. And so <gasps> like, and I mean, John Bonet, like we were both like tiny blonde girls about the same age. Like I was so aware of the John Bonet Ramsey oh, case. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so aware. I've been, I've been mildly obsessed for about 15 years. And like, when I say obsessed, like I've read every book on the case, like I have file folders, like I oh, have like, my gosh. So obsession, like to tell you how much I love true crime, my husband planned our honeymoon and it was a surprise, but I figured it out a few weeks before that we were going to Colorado for the honeymoon because it was the 20 year anniversary of the crime. And so we went to her house and we, I took pictures and I, I don't know if I should be embarrassed by this, but like largely honeymoon was influenced by needing to go to Boulder, Colorado. Oh my, well, it's awesome. So I'm glad you went. Um, Hannah, that is next level. That is, I'm was so happy level. to know that. Do you remember, there was one time where there was, um, I'm trying to remember the details of it, but there was a, a journalism professor at, at the University of Colorado, which is where I went. And he like, I don't remember. He like knew a guy or he, he was talking to this guy who like confessed to the crime or something like that. There was this, all this like buzz around it. And so while I'm in college in the journalism school, this professor is like all, I mean, there's news cameras everywhere, like asking this oh guy, gosh. it turns out the guy who confessed like didn't do it, but he didn't actually do it. I know. I you remember know I was headed to college when that was happening 
And I was like, mom, I can't go. I can't go. I have to stay here and like have this 24 oh. seven coverage. Oh my gosh. Okay. Maybe it was a little bit before I went to college. Now that, you, now that it, I think of it, clearly my John, John Mark Carr. Yes. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm thrilled to know this about you. So yeah, this is, this is really, this is amazing. This is, like, this is good. I know everything about that case. And it's so, it's almost embarrassing to admit, but yeah, we went to the house and I mean, we ended up loving Boulder. We stayed in Denver, Boulder, Breckenridge, and then visited Vail. Hmm. Um, but what I loved about Boulder was like, there were so many great bookstores. Yes. Yes. Boulder is one of my favorite places on earth. Seriously. It's yeah. I, it is, it is literally an act of God that I don't live there anymore. And I'm still wondering like, why did you do that? Like I live in Nashville, Tennessee, but that's my, that's my place. So anyway, we go back all the time. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Oh man. Well, I'm thrilled to know this about you. This is a great fun fact. And like, we don't have a great segue, so we're just going to dive in. <laughs> Let's go. So yeah, it's funny because fun facts, a lot of times they take me so by surprise that I'm just stuck. So anyway, here we go. <laughs> okay. So Hannah, I want to hear, you know, I have so many questions for you, but the first thing I wanted to hear was, can you just tell us like a tiny bit of the backstory about more love letters? I know it's like a whole thing and it's totally taken off, but tell us like a little bit more about what it is, a little bit how it started. And because I just, I love what you're doing with that. Yeah. So this started right after I graduated from college. Um, I moved to New York City and I found myself struggling with like a lot of loneliness and depression. But at the time I really didn't know it was depression because like we'd never talked about depression. I didn't know that it ran in my family. And so as a way of like coping with that loneliness, I started to write and leave letters all over New York City, which seems crazy, doesn't seem very sane. But to know me as like to know that like my mom, like all throughout growing up, my mom would write me letters and like hide letters for me to find. And my grandmother would do the same. And so it's just kind of something that's always been in my story. And so I thought like, why can't I just write letters and like leave them around New York for others to find? And so I started doing this. I ended up blogging about it. And like at the time I didn't really even have many readers. And I basically said, if you need a letter for whatever reason, like I'll write to you. Wasn't expecting like a big response ended up over the next nine months writing 400 letters to strangers all over the world. And that kind of became the foundation for like what more love letters became. And so I simply built the organization because I didn't want to do it alone anymore. And I honestly could have been fine to just stop it there, but everybody seemed to want to, to take it to another level. And so I built this organization, I put it out there and then like, just watched as the thing kind of blew up into this like global movement. And so today, like the biggest thing that we do is like, we deliver what we like to call love letter bundles. And so you go on the site, you nominate friend, family member that's going through something tough. And we pick the stories that we think are applicable to our audience. We put them up online and then anyone from around the world has a chance to write a letter, submit it to the larger bundle. Um, and then that person gets 200, 400, 600 letters all showing up for them on a day they think like no one's going to notice them. So it's, it's pretty beautiful. (laughs) I like got tears in my eyes as you said that, especially the part about nobody noticing them, because I think that we just feel like that in life sometimes, you know, we just feel like, do I matter? Like, does it matter that I'm here? And does anyone see me? 
my husband, my birthday was last week actually, and my husband went around and gathered letters from all of my family and friends. And on the day of my birthday, he just sort of dripped them out to me all day. Um, and I ended up with this stack of letters. And I mean, it wasn't even anywhere near like that. 200 or 400 or something. I can't even, especially in the midst of something that's really hard. And yeah, when you're feeling like unnoticed, I cannot even imagine how that would feel to have that like dropped in your lap you know? It's powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. Have you gotten to hear, I mean, I'm sure you get tons and tons of stories back from people who um, have gotten those letters, but like, do you have a favorite? So my favorite is always changing. Cause I'm like, Oh, like I, there's so many stories. You're right. Um, and like, you know, for a while, like my favorite was this woman named Leona who like, she lost her husband after 69 years. And so it was her granddaughter that requested love letters for her. And like me and Leona have like kept in contact a little bit, which has been cool. But I I feel like it's like every time like a new like bundle arrives and we get the testimony from it, I'm like, oh, that's my favorite. You know, like we just got, we just had a love letter bundle for a young man who I think it was 700 letters showed up for him. And it just was so cool because like guys are normally like keep your feelings together, like pretty macho. And I, his mom gave him the letters and he was just like, this is, he put it on his Instagram, I guess. And he said like, this is by far like the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. And I thought that that was so cool because it's like, that would be like the one person that you would think would think that this was like a dumb idea. And he was like all about it. I have goosebumps like everywhere. That is so <laughs> Oh my gosh. I, I just love like, and I mean, really, this is the whole heart of my community. And I, you know, I think it really is the heart of yours too, that it, we just need someone to like, to be in it with us. Like it's, it's little things in life. We just need someone to say like, Hey, you're not alone. And that I'm in this with you. And, and I, you're not, I, I'm like, other people have felt that way. You, like, you're not, you're not alone. And I think that that just, it just changes everything, you know, to just know totally. that, that you're not alone. Uh, yeah. Just Absolutely. Well, we you, all need that reminder. Seriously. Yes. So Hannah, I, you know, have, have been familiar with your work for a while now. And the thing that I love is I know that more love letters is a part of what you do, but I, I really see the heart of that in everything that you do. All of your writing that I've ever read, every Instagram post, I see you doing exactly what we just talked about, like looking at someone and saying, Hey, you're not alone. If, if this is how you're feeling, you're not alone. This is how I felt. And you do the brave work of going first, of saying like, this is what happened to me just so that I can prove to you that you're not alone. Yeah. This is what helped me. This is what um, encouraged me. This is what got me out. This is like, it's like you've, you've walked this path and you've picked up some tools along the way and you go back and you hand the tools to the person behind you. And I, I love that. And so, and, and really, I feel like that's exactly what you're doing with more love letters is just recognizing someone and saying, Hey, like I see you in this moment in your life. And so I, we've never done things this way on the podcast before, but I wanted to switch things up with you a little bit because I wanted to see if you would write some of the girls in our community, like some verbal love letters today. Okay. Yep. And I have, I'm ready. I have gathered some different like scenarios that I know so many of the women in our community are going through. Um, and I wanted to see for these different like struggles and different scenarios, I would love to hear like a time in your life when you've been through these things, kind of what it felt like, what you learned, and then, you know, what encouragement or advice you have for girls who are going through that right now. So are you ready? <laughs> totally. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. 
So um, the first one is, has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like you don't matter? Um, when you felt discouraged or invisible or not good enough? Um, yeah, just tell us about a time when you felt that way, if there's been a time, um, and then any encouragement or wisdom you have for anyone who's feeling that way today. I mean, probably yesterday. Um, <laughs> okay, great. No, me it, too. <laughs> it, it's, it's crazy because it's like, yeah, like the book that I have coming out is called Come Matter Here. And it's all about like making it matter and like realizing that you do matter. But I am also a big believer that like whatever you're putting out into the world, like you also have to walk through that message yourself. And like oftentimes it's like you write the book and then you're waiting for the book to come out and then you have to like relearn the message. So honestly, like I felt that like the last few months and it like came out of nowhere. And it just like, it almost like maybe it had like planted itself in little ways, like little seeds. And I didn't like tend to it. Like I didn't like take notice of it. And then it grew bigger than I could have imagined because like recently, like if I'm being honest, like getting on social media for some reason, if I go to do any sort of scrolling, like I immediately just feel like really low, really sad, really like, well, how do I compare to this person or how do I compare to this person? Never ever in my life had I felt like that before. And like, I'm like actively walking through it right now. And it's like, not these pretty feelings and like call my mentor up to be like, why am I feeling this? And she basically just was like, yeah, well, like you have to walk through it and you have to know how it feels so that you're able to relay it to other people. And so yeah, right now is the time that I'm really feeling that and really feeling like, gosh, why is it like, it's not fun anymore to go on social media. I feel like I'm just seeing, do I add up to what this person has and what this person has? And they're just like very strange feelings that I'm just trying to work through because I'm like, I wasn't prepared for this. I'm so glad you said that because my like experience with social media kind of goes up and down. Like sometimes I love it and I love, I mean, I always love getting to connect with my readers and my listeners and my friends that way. Um, I, you know, I've made like real life friends off of Instagram. I'm such a believer in, in the good that it can do, but there've been seasons in my life where it's, where like the comparison thing has run, has been like fierce or where, um, yeah, every time I open it up, I feel like, oh, like just not good enough in any way. And it's crazy because I've actually been feeling that way a lot in the last, like probably two weeks too. Like every time I open okay, it, yeah. just feeling like what I'm like, I don't have as much to offer as this person, or, you know, like I'm not as good as she is in this way, or I could never make something like that. Or it's, and yeah, I, it's, it's one of those things I'm totally walking out in my life right now too. So thank you for saying that. It like completely steals your joy. And I think it like, I don't know, I've had to have like a lot of heart checks of like, okay, but like, this isn't even the reason why I use social media. Like I've loved social media from the beginning of it coming out. And so I think it's like going back to going back to the basics in it of like, this was a tool that was meant for connecting with people and then just doing that, you know? And I think for me, like, even if it's like, I want to say something and I have something that I want to say, but like, I'm not a photographer in any way. And so it's like, if I don't have some kind of like pretty photo to go with it, like, I feel like I shouldn't even post it. And that's just dumb. Like I'm a writer, I'm not a photographer, but yes. it's like these little things that just hold us back. And then, I mean, I see people post some like real jankety photos up there and like, they don't, but this is the thing they don't care and it's awesome. And they say what they need to say. And so I'm just trying to like push myself out of that box that I put myself in of like, everything needs to be curated and like 
perfectly timed out because it's like, that's not real. Like, so just trying to break the constructs that I've put on myself. Yes. Yes. There was a moment where, um, I feel like this was when I was like the most in it with social media and just it feeling really ugly in my life. It was a couple years ago and my husband sat me down and he goes, Stephanie, this is a mess. And he was like, who are you Mm. trying to be? Like every, I mean, I was trying to curate the crap out of my life. Like every photo, every, like, I just was trying to keep up with everyone I saw on social media. And, and he was like, Steph, these people are professional photographers. This person, this is a magazine. This is a magazine. So this is like an online version of that magazine. Like you, your life isn't a magazine and it doesn't need to be like that person is an actual model. Like you do not need to try to compete with her. And it's been a process, like, like you said about coming back to the basics and like, what is this and who am I? And like, I'm not trying to be any of those things. Those things aren't actually that encouraging, encouraging to me. I just want to see a normal person living life to the best of their ability and yes, encouraging me to do the same, you know? And so my Amen, goodness. girl. Oh, Amen. Man, so if anyone else is feeling that way. You're not alone. I feel like everyone's feeling this way. Every time I open my mouth about it, people are like, yep, been there. Yep. There right now. And it's like, okay, we got to really work on this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, good. Glad we're not alone. (laughs) Everyone, we're all in this together. We're all here guys. Oh man. Okay. Well, so what about, um, has there ever been a time when you felt distant from God? Like, tell us about that, how you got through it. And then yeah, any encouragement or wisdom you have for someone who's just feeling far away from him for whatever reason? Yeah, I definitely feel like the time where I felt the most distant from God was after I had moved to Atlanta. Um, So I moved to Atlanta really because I felt like, I felt like God had told me to go to Atlanta. Like I felt like the signs were all just adding up and it like, it just felt very pronounced. Like this is where I'm supposed to go. I also had like a feeling in my gut that that's where I was going to go to like meet the guy that I was going to marry. And that did work out. It didn't happen instantly though. But I realized like after, like now that I look at that situation and I look back on it, I'm very careful. I don't say anymore like, oh, God told me to do this or God told me to do that. Unless I'm very clear on it. Like there have been like times where I've heard him audibly or times where I've not been able to deny that I'm supposed to encourage this person or encourage that person. But like for me to say like God told me to move to Georgia, like I kind of take that back because it's like, yes, I think he aligned everything for me to go there. But I also am confident enough to say like that had I not moved to Georgia, he still would have been with me and he still would have done the same things that he did in my life in Connecticut. And so it's like, I just say that because I think we have to be really careful when we say like, well, God told me this and God told me that and God told me to quit school or break up with that guy. And it's like, let's just be careful because like God's will, like a lot of times is a lot broader and like more freeing than we can imagine. So like, let's not put the constraints on ourselves, but six months into living in Atlanta was really the point where I thought like, okay, I thought I heard you clearly. And like, maybe I didn't because things aren't clicking. This is really hard. Like, I'm not happy here. I want to go home. Like, I want to go back to where it's comfortable. And that was the time where I felt like I was just running from God, you know, of like, I don't even know if you're real. And if you're real, I don't know if you're good. And I like really kind of laid it out there. And I really just was like, God, like, if you're real and you're here, then I need you to press in. Like, I need you to show up and I need you to just like wreck my life in some capacity, which is a dangerous prayer to pray because yeah. it will happen. Um, <laughs> pray at your own risk for sure. Your own risk. Cause like then this onslaught of crazy severe depression showed up. 
But I think it was one of the best prayers that I've ever prayed because I was really at this fork in the road of like, okay, I'm getting up on stages and I'm speaking about God. And if I'm not certain about this, I don't want to do it. You know, like I made that very clear to God of like, if I'm not going to be all in, please don't put me on the stage because like, I don't want to be ministering and sharing about something that I half-heartedly believe. And so really I've found in the last few years that if any time I'm feeling distant from God, it's oftentimes, it's not that he got distant. It's that I got distant, that I walked away or that I kind of like put it on the back burner, like building the relationship with him and just went like hardcore into other areas. And so the encouragement that I would give people is like one, like, don't be ashamed. If you feel distant from God right now, like there is no shame in that. Like God doesn't look at you any differently. God is not a God who changes. He's not flippant. He's not like, I liked you today. I don't like you tomorrow. And I would say like, if you're feeling distant, like press in a level deeper, do something you've not done before, pull out your Bible, put the timer on for an hour and sit with it and get back in. Because I think that's the thing is like, we think that like, for some reason we need to like wrestle to maintain our relationships and wrestle to maintain our marriages and wrestle to maintain our friendships. But that that same kind of wrestling doesn't show up when it comes to God. And it's like, no, it's a relationship. It is hard work. And so you have to press into the one place, you know, God speaks and that is the word of God. And so I tell all my friends, whenever they're feeling distant, I'm like, maybe it's time to go deeper. Like maybe you need to try to fast or maybe you need to do some kind of prayer challenge or like something where you can go a layer deeper with God. I love that so much. And I'm so glad that you compared it to like any other relationship because like if I didn't go on a date with my husband for like, I don't know, a month, I would feel so distant from him. I would feel weird. I would feel confused. I would feel like I, yeah, I I just, if we didn't talk to a friend for however long, like, of course we would feel distant. And so it's like a matter of picking up the phone and and being intentional about pursuing him just like we would anybody else. I love that. And just being honest, I think it's like the one thing that I've learned or that I definitely learned um, after after I walked through that depression and kind of was like, okay, like I have to scrap everything I've heard about God and I need to just start at square one, him and me. Like I want to relearn this. And I had to relearn it for myself, not because my mom wanted this for me, not because my friends at church wanted this for me. I needed a real authentic relationship that I was not going to walk away from. And I think the most freeing thing is that like, I learned like that I can be honest before God, that I don't need to be polished, that like, he's not expecting me to pray these long wordy prayers or like that if I miss a few days and I come back, he's not like, oh, well, like you didn't do as good as so-and-so, you know? And so it's like, it is what it is and you do what you can do, but like, I think the reason why, like, I'm such an advocate for, like, getting into the Word daily is because the days where you get into the Word are oftentimes, like, the best days. Like, you feel happier, you feel more full, you don't feel as frazzled, like, you get the things done. And so I just try to put it in the morning before anything else and just keep that time sacred. Oh, I love that. Yes. Yes and amen to everything you just said. So you mentioned depression and having that be a time when you kind of, like, wiped the slate clean and, um, had to kind of start over. And and so that was kind of the next thing I wanted to ask about. I wanted to ask, um, just about a time in your life when you felt depressed or anxious or just kind of underwater in, you know, like lies about yourself or your life. 
tell us about that a little bit. And then also like for girls who are there right now, whether it is depression or whether it is just Mm -hmm. kind of being underwater in life, like walk us through it a little bit. Yeah. So depression is something that I actively deal with daily. So it's one of those things where it's like, I know that this is my battle and I know that this is probably what I will battle for the rest of my life. So I don't like, thankfully I don't have like as I don't have a severe depression as I did back in 2014 going into 2015, but every single day is a maintenance of depression. It is taking the medicine. It is eating the right foods. It is getting the workout in. It is all of these things that I have to do and I have to work extra hard to do them because if I don't, my brain will not be in a good space and I will very quickly just like fall into a a pit of depression, anxiety, all of the things, you know? And so I'm very familiar with that place and um, very familiar with how lonely it can feel and how easy it is to just believe all of these lies about you um, and that like people aren't for you and that nobody likes you. Um, And I think like I walked through a bunch of that, like even this last year, like going through my first year of marriage, like my marriage was really great. And like, I'm so lucky like that I have like the man that I have, but I felt like a lot of my relationships and friendships were in flux and like where God sometimes pulls people out of our lives because they don't serve a purpose anymore or because like, like, because friendships don't always last forever, even though we have the BFF thing, you know, like I feel like I wasn't very good at like letting go when other people let go. Like I wanted to fight for everything. And I think like that was a lie that I believed of like, oh, like maybe I'm not a good friend or like maybe like if I showed up and I tried harder, like then this person would still be in my life. And I think it's like at some point we have to like really just become aware that like a lot of this stuff is lies and a lot of this stuff is not from God. It is like from the pit of hell. And we believe it though. That's the thing. The voice is familiar to us. And it sounds so much like our own voice that like we take stock in the things that are said over us. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's like a daily quest that you need to continue to uproot the lies and like speak truth over yourself. And it's like daily, like new lies are always sprouting up. It's like, it's like in a garden where you don't like, you have to weed the garden. You cannot just expect flowers to show up. Like weeds will sprout up quicker than the plants. And if you don't uproot them, they're going to grow and they are actually going to suck all of the life from the rest of the garden. Like those plants can't grow if the weeds are taking up all the space. And so yeah, actively working to like replace those lies with truth, which is so hard to do, but like so worth it. I love that you said that the lies are really familiar, that they sound like our own voice. Cause that's so true. And I think that we're afraid. I know for me, like when I'm hearing lies, I'm afraid to not believe them because I'm afraid of like, I don't know, maybe being naive or something like yeah. It's, it's when someone accuses you of something. And I think we all have different personalities, but my personality is not like to fight back. It's to be like, oh, really? And so I feel like I do that yep. with the own lies in my own head when it's like, Stephanie, like, yeah, nobody likes you. And I go, oh, really? Not like, wait a minute, who says that? And I feel like exactly. going back to the word, like if we like comparing what we're hearing to the word of God, like God tells us who we are and how he feels about mm-hmm. us. And so it's like, does this match up? If not, we have to toss it out, but we have to be paying attention and we have to be doing it every day. And sometimes I've been really good at that. And lately I have not been as good at that. And I can hey. see it choking out joy. You know, it's so, it's so true. Well, cause when you like, it's like, 
when you just let it continue to play and play and play and you don't do anything about it, you know, like the voice gets louder and louder. And like, sometimes the lies are still there sticking around because you've not talked back to them and said like, no, that's not true. Because the second you dispel the lie and like you call it out for what it is, like, that's a lie. That's not true. Like it won't taunt you anymore. But like, I think sometimes in my own life, the reason the lie still stays there is because there's a part of me that believes it's true. And like, I need to go to battle against that. Yes. Yes. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done. And that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away. And if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. 
This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I feel like we could talk about this for a thousand years. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you about is when it comes to depression, um, I know that you've written a lot about just like the fact that we just don't talk about it enough and that um, it's not Mm. like addressed enough really like in the church. And I actually read there, you had a blog post recently about, uh, from a girl who, who was saying that she's battling depression. And I think it was her mom that said like, yeah, you just need to pray, pray more. more. Yeah. Can you kind of just speak into that? Gosh, if that's like the one thing that I'm like, Oh, it just breaks my heart a little bit because it's like, yeah, we're not talking about depression nearly as much as we need to. We're starting to have conversations, which is great. Um, but I think it's like the church just has so far to go in that area. Like for some reason, there is such a stigma when it comes to talking about mental health, especially if we get into, okay, you might need medication because there, there is a camp of people that believe that if you just, you prayed more, you had more faith, like this would not be an issue anymore. And it's like, okay, but if it's a chemical imbalance, if it is lower levels of serotonin in my brain, like that is not like, that is not a lack of God being God, you know? And so it's like, I don't know. I just always am I'm a big advocate for like, if you feel it, if you feel it coming on, if you feel like you've changed, if you feel like you're isolating yourself, like go and talk to somebody. And like the first step would be a therapist and a therapist might refer you to a psychiatrist. And if that happens, there's no shame in it. There's no shame in trying out medication and being on medication for a few months. Like sometimes you're going through a like really trying situation where you need it for four months or six months. Like me, I take it every single day. I've taken it for the last three years and like, who knows what will happen? Who knows if I'll ever be off of it. But like, I don't see the stigma anymore because I know what I'm like when I'm not on medication. And like, I have a very hard time thriving. I have a hard time staying focused. Like I'm often very sad, very self-deprecating. And so like, if this allows me to thrive in the way that God created me to thrive, like how can it be bad, you know? And so it's like, I always say like, you pair everything with like, you pair therapy with the medication or you pair, you pair the medication with prayer. Like all of it kind of comes together, but like, 
I wish that we could dispel this lie that like the reason that you're not better is because you're not holy enough or you're not praying enough. Or like, I remember like during the time that I really believed that lie, like I would, I would go into the Bible and I would just like, I would spend hours reading the word of God because like it said that joy was a fruit of the spirit. And so to get a fruit of the spirit, you abide, you sit in it. And so like, I'm like, okay, if I can just do this for hours and hours and hours, joy is going to show up. And it never showed up. Like the one fruit of the spirit that I feel like is not a natural inclination for me is joy. And like, I just had to accept at some point that doesn't mean that I'm broken. That doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. Like modern day medicine is a modern day miracle. And so we just need to start having better conversations about it because like I actually did like um, a webinar yesterday and we had this conversation about like, okay, like if somebody's in it, like where is, where is a safe place that they should be able to go to talk about it? And that's what discouraged me. Cause I was like, right. it should be the church. Like that should be the place where you can come and say, I'm not okay. I need some help. And so, yeah, I just, I wish that like, if somebody's going through that and they're feeling that like find a person that is a safe person. It's not going to look at you any differently. And just like admit that you're not doing okay and that you just need, you need some extra help. I feel like that person, you know, as I was thinking about the church, I'm like, okay, if you go to, if you go to a small group and say, Hey, like, this is what I'm going through. And it takes a lot of courage to be the one to speak up first. If, if your small group doesn't operate like that, my yeah. guess is that half your small group is on, is on medication or is like, mm-hmm. has been at some point or is struggling with depression right now. Like if you admit something like this, there's going to be a girl that comes up to you afterwards that says, Oh my gosh, thank you. I needed that. You're not alone. Yeah. Like, what do we do? You know, it's just totally. it's all of us. Um, we actually, um, we've talked about therapy a lot on the podcast because, um, both of my parents are licensed or are licensed psychologists. Um, and I've, so therapy has been like a comfortable thing for me my whole life. And, um, back in October, I decided that I wanted to go back to therapy because I like, you know, just collected some lies in my life that I needed some help waiting out and some like random things that made me sad in my life that I hadn't ever really worked through. And, you know, I kind of had been paying attention for a while and just sort of collecting a list. And as soon as it got long enough, I was like, all right, now it's time to go get some help. Um, yes. but it's been so, I go every Thursday, like I talk about it all the time. I love it so much. It's so mm-hmm. good. And we actually did an episode. So if y'all, if you're struggling, if you are thinking, I might need some help, how do I even go to find a therapist? We have a whole episode all about that. And so make sure to check that one out. Resource. I love that. I'm a big advocate for therapy. It's so, like, we just need someone in our corner. It's And it's different from any other kind of relationship. They're there for you. They can ask you questions. You can talk about things you can't talk about with anybody else. And they're mm-hmm. not going to tell anybody. It's a yep. safe place. They know you. Like, they get to know you long enough that they can remember what you talked about a couple months before, bring it back. I mean, they're just, they're there to help you. Start through it. Um, okay, so we have a couple more questions. Awesome. Um, okay. So what about like insecurity? Um, we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but can you just talk a little bit more about like any time when you've had a hard time loving yourself or when you felt insecure or just down on yourself? Like, how did you, how did you get through it? This is kind of an identity question. You know, how did you like reclaim some of that? Yeah, I think, and I think that that's like, um, I don't know. I think that that will be something that's something that like kind of ebbs and flows for me where it's like, Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, I'm not feeling that good. You know? And it's like, it is, it's literally going back to those, like the lies that you believe about yourself because half the time it's like, it's not even true. It's just something that like 
you kind of heard, like you said to yourself, and then you just start to believe it. Um, and so it's like, I'm not the expert at this, but like, I'm trying to actively get better at just like the thoughts that I think, like not speaking them into existence, not, not agreeing with them by like putting them out there in the world, you know? Yeah. Something that's always been like a struggle for me in like the last like eight or nine years is just kind of like this like battle with food of like a healthy relationship with food. Um, and so it was like big for me, like coming out of college, but like, even now I'm, I'm really trying to dig into it in therapy because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want this to be my life. Like, I don't want to say that I got to the end of my life. And that was always just something that was kind of on the back burner that I struggled with. And so I've been like reading this book on like intuitive eating lately. Um, it's like a 10 year old book, but apparently like, it's like this like crazy bestseller. And like, it's really interesting. It's like teaching me a lot of things, but like, yeah, it's like coming back to like, just being really careful about the things that you say about yourself and whether or not you believe them. And like, I always say like in the times where like, you really can't trust yourself, like you don't believe anything that like you're saying, or you're thinking, you're feeling like be surrounded by good people that can remind you who you are, like remind you that you are a good friend or that you are a good like spouse or whatever it is. And so it's like, if you don't have those people around you that are being truth tellers, that are like telling you how it is and lifting you up and encouraging you, like you might need to go find some like better friends, you know, like I'm not saying like get rid of your friend group, but like we need to have people in our corners that tell us the truth and like can lift us up and can encourage us and can like remind us like, Hey, this is your strength or this is your gift. And so it's like, I think in the times where I'm feeling insecure, I lean into those people more often and like I'm open with them to say, this is what I'm believing or this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm feeling because like, if I just like let it fester, it will grow to be something so much bigger than I could ever imagine. And so that will be my fault if it does. Yeah. Yes. Um, as you were saying that I was thinking, I feel like those truth tellers in my life are like my superpower, like the Lord, number one those girls, number two, like I I had a conversation with my best friend this morning and she did that exact same thing. She was like, listen, stuff, this is what's true. And just like nailed Mm. me with it. Just one thing after another, speaking to me in a way that like exactly that. I mean, she said the exact things I needed to hear and she knows me well enough to know exactly what it is. And I trust her because she's been there, you know, for so much of my life. And that's, you know, we talk about friendship a lot around here and, and that's why, because we need people we need people to be our people. And, and so, yeah, if you don't have those people, like, it's so like, we, we just can't do this by ourselves. Even, even we identity, can't, no. we can't do it by ourselves. Not at all. Okay. So I know that you have been married for, um, a short while. How long has it been now? Been, um, a year and a half. Okay. Okay. Um, so I was kind of, when I was, um, like reading some stuff on your site, I saw you talking about like how you don't talk about marriage much because you're like, I have no advice. And I feel the same way. Carl and I have almost been married for four years, which is like nothing to sniff at anymore. Like we've, we've actually been married for a minute now, but I still am like, I have no marriage advice because we're new at this. Yeah. But knowing that, knowing that I feel kind of uncomfortable giving advice about it because I'm new and that you do too, I'm going to ask what advice, if you got, you know, if you got to talk to someone who had just gotten married, 
what would you say to her? What advice would you have to her? Especially if, um, and this is not across the board for everybody, but depending on kind of what we're thinking about marriage as we're going into it or what expectations we have, I feel like every once in a while, there are some girls who are feeling like it's just not quite what they thought it was going to be. Maybe it's Hmm. not as fairy taley as they thought it was going to be, or, um, you know, they're just feeling like it's a little different than what they were expecting. What would you tell um, a, a newlywed? Yeah, it can be like I mean, really newlywed if you want. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I definitely am still a newlywed, I guess in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I would, first off, it's not a fairy tale. And so it's like, if you're getting married in order to fulfill that fairy tale, then like, it's not, not reason enough to get married. Um, and so I don't know, like it's, it's a, it's a fight. It's a challenge. It's a day-to-day battle. Um, and it's beautiful though, like to be able to like share your life with somebody else. And so I think like walking into it, like we had, um, we had a friend that said to us like, um, a few months ago, like the best marriage advice that they had given us was like during that first year of marriage, like spend like an obnoxious amount of time with one another. Um, because you learn to fight, you learn to communicate, you learn to hang out with one another and you're around each other, like long enough to get bored, you know, and like get through that as well. And that was like the best advice that I think we could have been given just to like, to spend that time with each other. Cause I think that like, I didn't like, I could have very easily gotten married and then like immediately been like, okay, like, and now like I go back to my regular life and here's my friends and here's my this and that. And I don't know. I think that like, like this was totally God that just like when I got married, I could feel the weight of that responsibility. And to know that like, no, like this, it's the priority. Like this is the most important thing. And so I need to honor this first. And then like, you know, like everything else kind of falls after that. Because if you're just like, you're married and you're married and you don't like build into this thing called marriage, you just kind of exist in the marriage. Like you'll probably grow more distant, like as time goes on. And so it's like, I had another friend that said like, yeah, you really need to treat marriage as if it is itself a business where it's like, Hey, like how's everything going with the marriage? And the both of you are like looking at the marriage and like thinking like, how do we improve this? Like, how do we work on this? You know, like it's not, it's its own thing that needs to be taken care of and like paid attention to. And like, it's a lot of hard work, but it's like, it's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful to have somebody and it's beautiful to have that built in best friend. Um, and so, yeah, even though it's hard work, it's good work. It's fun. So Mm, I love that. That's so good. That's so good. Um, I do, I do have that like on my blog. I'm like, I will only blog about this once a year on the anniversary because I got married and everybody was like, please give us marriage advice. We want marriage stories. And I'm like, no, Mm-mm. You're like, I'm from not, what? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, if I start like publishing all these things about marriage, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't, I want to learn from people about marriage. I I'll read other people's blog posts about it, but I'm not a marriage expert. Yes. That's, I feel like I'm just getting to the place where I might be ready to start talking about 
like engagement or being like being like the first, you know, first couple weeks of marriage or something. Because yeah, I I mean, people were asking me the same thing, like stuff like, you know, write about marriage. And I'm like, I can hear my in-laws who have been married for 35 years, my parents who have been married for 35 years, and all these other people who like stumble upon my blog scoffing at this girl who's been married for like a second and a half who thinks she knows something about it. I just, totally. yeah, I, w- I want to learn. I want to spend this time actually learning things before I turn around and try to teach anything. So Amen. I, I feel the same way. I love that. Um, okay. So our last question um, in sort of this love letter thing is, um, and actually, I guess this doesn't really count, but one of the things we talk about a lot around here is singleness and dating, um, because that was long enough ago for me that I feel like I have some hindsight. But we talk about that a lot and I actually have a course about making the most of our single life and really digging into that season to make it a really mm-hmm. good one, partially because it's a special time in our lives. Also, like when we're living really full single lives, that's a great way to meet someone. And that's really the best way we can prepare for life ahead and marriage for when we have, when we found that person. So anyway, we talk about that a lot. And one of the questions that a lot of the women in my community are asking about is, um, is is online dating. And Mm. they, a lot of them have hesitations with it because they feel like this is not the story they pictured in their head. And so they're just hesitant about it. And and I know that you actually met your husband online. And so yeah. I wanted to see if you could like talk about that a little and like give a pet talk to anybody who's like thinking about doing that or feeling those hesitations. Well, first, I think, I honestly think that maybe that's how, that's one of the ways that you and I are connected now that I think about it, because my assistant took your course. Mm. I remember this now. Okay. So, I'm going to have to, yes. well, I, I was about to ask her name and then I figured we wouldn't out her and talk about yes. her, but, um, but I would love to hear it. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. And she would love that. Like she, yeah, she's wonderful. But, um, so I was like, wait, that's familiar. Okay. Wait. So yeah, we met, I mean, we met online and, um, I probably led the charge for a long time of the, I will not meet somebody online. I will meet them in the grocery store club, you know? Um, and I remember I wrote a blog post, I think it was back in 2000 and 2010 about like, about wanting to meet somebody in real life. Um, and so it's like, that was what, that was six years before I met Lane, maybe yeah, six years before I met Lane. But what I remember about that blog more than anything, more than the comments that were like, yeah, like me too. Yeah. IO seven, you know, was a girl that responded and said, you know, like, uh, I met my, I met my husband online and like our relationship is no different or like any less than because we didn't meet in real life, you know? And that kind of was like this like reality check for me of like, Oh yeah. Like yikes. You know, um, I kind of like retracted that statement and I definitely retract it now, but I don't think this is a thing. Like, I think that for the world that we're living in right now, like online dating makes a lot of sense. Like it's a smart choice. If you want to meet somebody to go where there are people that are available to be met because like, we are so digitally connected these days that it's not like we need to go out to the local sock cop to like meet people. Like that doesn't happen anymore. And like, usually when we have a free spare moment, we are on our phones talking to our friends, our family members, like whoever it is in our circle that we are instantly connected with. And so one, I would say like, Aziz Ansari wrote a book called Modern Romance. Yes. I've Um, read this book. Okay. Keep going. 
And it's, it's fantastic. I mean, he's really funny because he's a comedian. And so like, you wouldn't think that it would be like this super serious book, but like he did some serious research on online dating. And like, I recommend it to anyone that's like skeptical about like online dating because he like even lays down like how like, okay, 60 years, 70 years, 80 years ago or whatever, like you were like, a botch the statistic, but something like you were like 60% more likely to like meet and marry somebody that like lived on your block, you know? And so it's like the beauty about online dating is that like you get to be connected with the people that like you might not otherwise cross paths or meet because you're busy and he's busy and like, you're just doing your thing. And so like Lane and I met online and like, turns out we like lived like two miles away from one another. We've been at several like um, meetups and different occasions where we probably should have met and we just never met. Like, um, so we'd been in each other's orbits all along without even realizing it. Like since I came to Atlanta and since he moved to Atlanta. And so it's like one of those things where it's like, I just like release the stigma. You may meet somebody online. You may not meet somebody online, but I think the most important thing is that if you step into online dating, like step into it with a heart of like, this is not my everything. This won't break me if it doesn't work out. Because I think that's where people get wrong about online dating is where they think like a husband now should be delivered to me because I'm here and I'm showing up to Tinder. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. go in with a light heart go in with the fact of the matter of like, I might go on a nice date. I might meet a really nice person. And I don't think that like, I think in Christian culture, like we so often are like the person that I meet has to be the person that I marry. And I don't know. I dated a lot of guys before I met Lane. And the beautiful thing about that was that I was able to know what I liked and what I didn't like. So then when I met him, I just knew like, I'm like, okay, like you check the boxes and like, I'm not saying check the boxes in the sense of like, I've got this unrealistic checklist over here that I've had since I was seven. I'm saying like you date people and then you realize like what the actual non-negotiables are. Like, are they loyal? Are they trustworthy? Can you have conversation with them? And like, you might not necessarily know that unless you go out there and you try it. So yeah, like I don't, yeah, it's amazing to me the amount of people that still are just like online dating, like, "Mm, I'm not sure. And I'm like, yeah, if you're not in a healthy place, don't do it because that will really mess with you that you have all these options in front of you. But like, I think Lane and I were on that app for 10 days. I, he was like the only person that I reached out to, like he, I don't reach out to guys or like I was under the pretense of like, I will not, like I'm going to keep chivalry alive. But like, I was like, well, he's not reached out to me and I really need to reach out to him because like, he's so cute, you know? And so I just like, yeah, like he was very skeptical of me. He was skeptical of the whole thing. It was his friend that said he should go on there because he like needed to go on a date. I'm um, sorry if you hear a bing, that was a text message coming through. Oh no, um, you're fine. But yeah. And I just like, I don't know, like we weren't on there long. We met each other and then we like got offline and like, I don't think it matters how you met. I think it's the fact that you met, like, that's the most important part. Like when you're married for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, like no one's going to be like, Oh yeah. Well, it's like they met online. So that was doomed. It's like, we got to the same place. We got to the altar. Why does it matter how we found one another? 
Yes. It, my girlfriend, Carly, um, we've had her, she's done like bonus videos for my course and um, she's been on the podcast and stuff. And she, um, when she moved to Nashville, she really dove into online dating. And one, the girl knows all of the good spots in Nashville restaurant wise, because she's been on so many first dates. Like Carl and I moved (laughs) here a little bit before her and we were like broke newlyweds. So we went to Chipotle. So if you want to know where to go to dinner, ask Carly, (laughs) I'm still catching up. But she met her husband that way. And you know, she, I remember her talking about how she had some hesitations with it, but she was like, Steph, like the only difference between my story and your story is that like the first time you saw Carl, you walked into work. Well, the first time I saw Jesse, like the way that we got connected was online. Like it's, that's Aziz Ansari. I think that, I think it was him or he's quoting someone else, but he talks about it being an online introduction service. So it's not, you're not dating online. The whole dating thing is in real life, exactly the same as everybody else. It's just an introduction service. You're just finding the humans. so true. It's yeah. so good. Oh, I love that. And if and if, if anybody likes audiobooks and just like get the audiobook of him because he he reads the audiobook. Yes. And it's it's great. <laughs> I feel like um if I'm remembering correctly, it might be one of those things to like listen in earbuds like every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. I think because well he it's oh, as I'm sorry. I, okay. This is what I would tell you or tell the person that's listening to this. Like go and watch one of his videos first, maybe like to be aware of the kind of humor that he has, because maybe before you make an investment in an audiobook, because he is, yes, he's as I'm sorry. So it's not always going to be like G rated, but like in no way did I feel like he crossed any lines or like no. really like, but the book is as somebody who was a sociology major, I'm like the guy, he broke ground when it came to the statistics on dating applications. And I have so much respect for him because he did his focus groups before and after his shows, which I thought was so cool. Is that like, he did that book justice and he did that book. Well, it wasn't just some like comedian being like, I'm going to make some funny jokes about dating. It's like, here, I've worked with top sociologists. Here's the research. Yep. It's so good. Um, another book that, listen, I haven't read it yet, but I'm, it's like at the top of my list, but I've heard enough people talk about it that I feel like I should mention it. Um, Henry clouds, how to find a date worth keeping. Um, he, one of the things he, he's the best and I've heard him talk about this. I just haven't gotten to read the book yet, but one of the things he talks about is something we talk about in my course. So I was like, I like high-fived myself when I heard him talk about this, um, was that he, you like upping your numbers. Like if you, you need to be meeting people in order to be going on dates. You need to be going on dates in order to meet someone great. And you need to meet a couple great people before you're going to find the person you're going to marry. So you have to be getting out there a little bit more and online dating is a great way to do that. I totally, totally agree. Oh, I love it. Okay, well, I'm going to get some more recommendations from you in a second, but I want to ask you our, um, we have kind of three last minute like podcasty questions. Okay. Um, so the first one is, I would just love to hear, what is God teaching you these days? Oh, that's a good one. I love asking that question to people. Um, right now, so like right now I'm in Second Corinthians, and so I feel like that's like the place where he's like called me to camp out. And so I like literally like, printed out second Corinthians from like Bible gateway, just so that I have it like as a stack of papers. And then I just start going through it and like learning and soaking up as much as I can possibly soak up. But it's like even funny how like friends that are like texting me encouragement and this and that, like so much of it's coming from second Corinthians. So like, I don't fully know like the purpose yet of me being in that book, except that that's where I feel really called right now. 
But I also just feel like I'm like, he's continually trying to teach me about abundance and like how to have an abundance mindset rather than a scarcity mindset. Because I think that I was like, I don't know why I was like, I wasn't raised with a scarcity mindset, but I do remember like throughout my childhood having a scarcity mindset. I don't think my parents gave it to me. I think like something other than that, but like, I just have always believed like, okay, there might not be enough for that. We might run out, you know? And so it's like, I don't think that that's the mindset that God is calling us to live in. And so I'm learning a lot just about like abundance and like having more than enough and like, like the riches and the plenty, you know? And so that's kind of the mindset I'm trying to get into. It's like, there's more than enough. Like, so yeah. I love that. And I feel like that's a really good, like the timing's perfect with all the stuff we were talking about with social media, that it's like, listen, there's more than enough goodness to go around, more than enough joy, more than enough fun, more than enough, like the world is still broken. Like we, we yes. still need voices and encouragement and people out there like sharing their stories and stuff. And I, yeah, I feel like that's the perfect like combination for, for what we were talking about with social media. I love that. Um, okay. Second question is what is something that you've been loving lately? And it can be honestly anything. It can be like tacos or blue jeans or something you've been doing on the weekends, like just anything. Well, as of this morning, (laughs) so this morning I like had, I did like my, um, I did my workout, like I slept in, I did my workout and then I was like, Oh, I haven't had my morning coffee yet. And so I decided to combine my morning coffee with my like protein powder and with like almond milk and ice and like make it a smoothie oh my gosh, it was like the most heavenly thing I think I've ever had. And I'm like, I'm going to have this every single day. Like I, oh, so you just like a, coffee and protein powder and almond milk and ice. Is that what you said? Yeah. So it's like literally like a smoothie. It's like a coffee smoothie, but like it was, and what was great is that it tasted like, it tasted like one of the Frappuccinos that I probably would have gotten at Starbucks. I haven't gotten one of those in years, but I remember them and I remember them being so dang good. But then like, then Starbucks started putting the calories on everything and you're like, is it worth it to have 79 grams of sugar? But it tasted like that, except that it was all completely healthy. And like my vanilla whey protein powder just like made it sweeter. So as of this morning, I'm a huge advocate for it because I've been like telling everyone, like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had. And this is totally going to be my summer morning drink. That is amazing. That is a really, really good pro tip. I love that. Yes. Pro tip. And so, yeah, I'm loving that. I'm trying to think of loving, gosh, I love so many podcasts. I can't even get into that, but like, they're all true crime too. Um, (laughs) but Yeah. And I, another thing that I'm really digging right now that like I made as an investment and I'm really glad that I did is I got the, um, the AirPods. So I had them in my ears earlier, but like, they're the ones that just like hang in your ear for your workouts and stuff. And there's no wires attached to them. And I'm like, I was skeptical, but I got them because like, I wanted to like be able to have like have my phone on the side of me when I'm doing my workouts rather than like in my pocket or like awkwardly, like putting it into my sports bra or whatever. Mm -hmm. Best investment. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Do they stay in your ears though? That's my worry. So that's what my husband says. He's like, they don't stay in my ears very well. They stay in my ears perfectly. So maybe like you test them out. I don't know, but like I haven't had any issues. So maybe it's like the shape of the ear. You have like the perfect apple ears or something. That's 
Yeah. But I hear though, I also hear that there are the, there are the ones that you can like that kind of go around your head a little bit. Like you, they're not Apple. I don't think they're Apple, but like they still are like, maybe I'm just saying in general, like the wireless headphones are like fantastic. They're like a game changer. I love that. I've been listening to music super like, like I don't, I don't even know what the word is, but like when I've, wa- I've wanted to listen to music downstairs in our house, I'll like play it on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll, like, put it in a bowl to, like, magnify the sound. And I don't know, like, why I I didn't think... Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know why I didn't think, Steph, you should get some, like, Bluetooth speakers. But for... My mom came to visit us, and she saw me doing this and was thinking, like, Steph, why don't you just get some something to play music in your house? So she bought me um, a Sonos speaker for my birthday, and it has been... A game changer. Game changer. Game, game changer. changer. Yes. So it's like my iPhone in a bowl or sitting right next to us at you know at the dinner table or something. I definitely upgraded recently. So yeah. I love I love that. There you go. Show. And you, yeah. it just hooks right into the Bluetooth. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like magic. Um, okay. So my last question is, um, everyone's like, Stephanie, really? Come on. You know this. <laughs> no, we've all been there before. Yes. We got We got a speaker for our wedding and we're like, Wow. Like we didn't realize how useful this thing is. Yeah. Yes. I would listen to, um, like podcasts around my house and yeah, I'd have my phone like shoved in my sports bra or something. Carry it with you. And that's why I think I love the AirPods is because I just put them in my phone somewhere in the house and I can just walk around, do all the things I need to do and just listen to it without it being like, Oh, let me pick up the phone, bring it over here. Let me pick up the phone, bring it over here. You know? Yep. All right. Game changers. Game changers. Game changers. Um, okay. So my last question is, um, is there, tell us about a woman who's been inspiring you lately. Um, maybe someone we can kind of go follow along with. Well, I'm always, I mean, I'm always constantly inspired by Laura Casey. Like she's mm-hmm. just like, uh, she's just awesome. And, um, I just really respect her. love her. She's a great friend. Um, but I also think like right now, like, and this has been a while, like, I think she's been like somebody I've looked up to for a while, but like promise Tangeman, I don't know if you, do you follow her? Yes. Okay. I think I do. Yeah. Yeah. Promise Tangeman. Everyone should follow her. Um, she's a graphic designer and just total girl boss, like marches to the beat of her own drum, which I love. Like her and her husband are fantastic, but I just love how, how true to herself that she is. Like you can go onto her social media or like onto the things that she creates. And like, it's one of those people where it's like, yeah, she's not like anybody else. Like there is nobody on the internet that is like her. And I love that. Like, I love how original she is. Mm. Okay. That's such a, such good suggestions. I um, am more familiar with Laura Casey, less familiar with Promise, but I'm going to need to um, go check her out. You'll be obsessed. Like she's my girl crush. She's my friend, but she's also like, admittedly, I've told her like, you're my girl crush too. I love that so much. She just, she just does such great work. And so it's like, I don't know, I'm just inspired by people that are doing the thing, you know, like Laura's doing the thing, like Emily Lay is doing the thing. And so it's like, do the thing and then talk about it. Like, don't talk about it before you even do anything. And so I just like, I look up to people that I'm like inspired to be like, okay, yeah, get off your phone and do the thing. Oh, I feel like that should be the quote from this whole thing. Get off your phone and do the thing. Do the thing. Yep. Amen. Hannah, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I just am so, I've loved our conversation and you are just the best. Thank you so much for being here. It's been so fun. I'm so excited to share this with everybody. You guys, isn't Hannah amazing? I just love her and I loved this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. 
One thing I wanted to mention is that I know we talked about a ton in today's episode, and so if you ever want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog, and for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talked about, including Hannah's contact info, so y'all can follow her and so y'all can be friends. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. We have gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all, and you have left the sweetest notes for us. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And it also helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So if you haven't yet, please take just one second to leave a rating and a review. Thank you so much. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and I cannot wait. See you then.